1: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: They saw it as God. They were listening to God speak when the Word of God was read. But it says, but what but for what it really is, the word of God. So now you have the word of man, the word of God, you have the wisdom of man, the wisdom of of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now take your pen and underline the word in, in, in you, in you. That the word of God, when you receive it, it is now in you and it now can perform. So if it's not in you, it can't perform. But now it has that phrase and now you'll put parentheses around this one. Put parentheses around the phrase, who believe. Who believe. All right. Now, I'd like to take a moment or two and speak to those of you who are on the outside looking into this message. And it's a a, a message about reading the Bible and the value of all of that, and it's important to do all of that. But I would like to tell you that unless you trust Christ as your Savior, unless you become a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, blood-bought, Jesus' blood on the cross, died and rose again, And you're a genuine believer in Christ alone for your salvation. All that I'm telling you is still good, but you won't understand it. Like one person said, you're like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. You went in the room, I get it, but you're not going to find what we're talking about this wisdom because it won't perform in you unless you believe. So the whole hallmark of this message, if you say, where do I begin with all this stuff you're giving me, Stan? All right, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to trust in Christ as Savior. Christ has got to live inside of you. When you trust Christ as Savior, as your Savior, in other words, you, you say to your works, my good works won't get me into heaven. Jesus died and he rose again. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm trusting in him and him alone. Now, Jesus comes in you. The Spirit of God comes in you. You have the fullness of God within you. In other words, you have all in you. Watch this now, this is cool. You have the source of the Bible in you. You have the interpreter of the Bible within you. You have the communicator of the Bible as he walked, spoke through the prophets and apostles and all of that, which would be the Spirit. You have all the Godhead within you. That doesn't make you God, but it gives you something that those who are outside of the faith in Jesus Christ don't have. That's why when you go off to a school, and a school is going to teach comparative religions by someone who really doesn't know Christ as Savior. Man, can you only imagine the confusion you're going to get? It's like a Boy Scout trying to perform surgery. They might know a little bit of medicine in first aid, but they don't know how to do medicine. And that's why you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Now, that's the key. Now, what's number two? Right, let me give you another quote here. This is this one is so good I had to give it to you. There's a guy by the name of Leroy Imes. It means probably nothing to most of you. Leroy Imes uh, rose up through the ranks of a ministry called the Navigators. The Navigators were most famous for not just winning people to Christ, they were that, but they were also known for helping those new believers become a fully devoted follower of Christ. In other words, discipleship was the name of the game. Okay? And to do that, in the the, the heartbeat of the, of, of the Navigators was Bible study, Bible memorization, Bible meditation. In other words, the whole navigator says, if you want to reach people, you've got to disciple people, and doing so, you've got to know the book. Now, the guy who was a part of that then became the leader of all of that, his name is Leroy Iams, and in a book, here's what he wrote. It is stellar. Listen to this. He says, The word of God, therefore, must not be received as a stranger at the door but as a friend whom we have been longing to see, as a teacher for whom we have greatest respect and from one who we are eager to learn, and as a wise counselor on whom we can lean for advice and direction in life. He called the Word of God a friend. He called the Word of God a teacher. He called the Word of God a wise counselor. This new year, perhaps the first step after trusting Christ is to clear your calendar, to prioritize getting into his book, the Bible. So number one, we must receive the word into our life. Read it. Number two, I must saturate my mind with scripture. I must saturate my mind with scripture. I'm a satur- I like that word, saturate, my mind with Scripture. You don't sprinkle it on you. It's not a mist. It's not drizzle. You didn't just get wet. We're saturated. That means no fire will burn on that saturated log. It is so filled with Scripture. Now, the verse says this. It says, and treasure my commandments within you. You got your pens ready? Circle the word treasure. What does it mean to treasure something? It means to hide it or to store it up. In other words, when I treasure it, I hide it. It's something that's very important. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to break it. I don't want someone to steal it. I have it treasured. I won't ask you to do this, but I'm tempted to. I'm tempted to ask you to raise your hand, but don't do it. But how many of you have a safe in your home? A little fireproof safe. How many of you have a gun safe? Well, why do you do that? Why just spend money on that? Oh, I know why. It's because you, you keep your trash in the safe, right? No, your valuables. If the house burns, at least they'll be saved. If someone comes in, they won't shoot you with your own gun. It's locked up. And so as much as we take our valuables, we sometimes value things of this life so much that we buy safe or put them in safe deposit boxes and the list goes on. But how many of us will treasure the word of God to make sure that it's deep within our heart? And when you treasure it, not like a a safe at home, but the treasure is in our heart. That means the treasure goes with us wherever our heart goes. So I need to saturate my mind with scripture. So in your margin, put the word memorize there. Put the word memorize. Your word have I treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Number three, I must listen attentively to what God has to say in Scripture. I must listen attentively. attentively I must listen attentively to what God has to say in Scripture. Look at the verse, verse two. It says, "Make your ear." Attentive to wisdom. I think our ear is attentive, probably to to a lot more than we think. But in this verse, it says, make your ear attentive to what? Everyone? Wisdom. Okay? So in other words, if you've got to listen to anything, you want to make sure that you're listening to or for wisdom. Um, I recently went for my my physical. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to die, at least not that I know of. All right? But in it, I'm saying that in jest, but in it, they said, Stan, your, your ears are clogged. I know this is going to get gross, so I'll be very careful. But um, I knew there were some problems I couldn't hear as well. Some of it might have been selective hearing with Carol, but I don't know. But anyway, I didn't, didn't hear so well. So they said, uh, we're going to have to clean out your ears. So they did their deal and all of that kind of stuff. And I have to tell you, when I was done, wow, could I hear. I went to Costco, and I think I heard every little buggy wheel that was loose, rattle. I heard every bit of that. So I got thinking, okay, what keeps me from hearing the word of God? Well, obviously, if someone's speaking and I got wax in my ears, I can't hear, but that's not what he's talking about. A little bit, but more of it, get it into your heart, remember? And I really think that what blocks us is is that same gunk, not earwax, but sin. When I regard iniquity in my heart and I come to church, I'm not going to be able to hear that person speak when I have stuff going on in my life and I've got guilt because I'm doing stuff wrong, I'm making wrong choices, time to read your Bible. Oh, i got to read through the Bible again. i got to catch up. You know, It's going to be like that because there's some sin in your life. And so when I think of my hearing issue with wax, I think just as dirty as wax is, sin is worse. And as bad as wax is, I might not be able to hear certain things when I go to Costco. The worst part of sin is that I won't be able to hear God. I won't hear God. I don't hear God. I don't hear wisdom. If I don't hear wisdom, I don't have wisdom. If I don't have wisdom, I make wrong choices. If I make wrong choices, you know the rest. On the other hand, if I deal with the sin, I hear God. When I hear God, I hear wisdom. When I hear wisdom, I know what to do. I do what I'm supposed to do, and I get the results of it. So what I want to do is clear that earwax of sin out of my ears and my heart. So here it would be, you want to hear the word of God. The word attentive means to be, caused to be alert here. Um, Number four, I must obediently apply God's word to my heart. I must obediently apply God's word to my heart. We could say our life, I get that, to my mind, I get that, love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, I get that. But when I'm talking about the heart, I'm talking about the real inner being of you. It goes to the mind, that's important, because you want to be able to sift out and discern what's truth and error. I get that, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But so many people can can have God's Word in all these notebooks. They have it all throughout their software. They have everything that they had. They have so much of God's Word, but is it alive in their life? And that's where it comes into their heart. And that's why I say, I must obediently apply God's Word to my life. So here I put the words, meditate and apply. Meditate. The reason I put meditate first is because when I'm meditating, it has a supernatural, indescribable effect on my inner being that makes applying it so much more easier. Okay, so meditate and apply. Look at verse two again. The last part of it it says, "Incline your heart to understanding." Well, you already know what the word "incline" it means to lean forward or to stretch out to. I don't know if this has happened in your home. But um, you and you could be giving instructions to your kids and later on they'll say, I didn't hear you. Did you oh, know I didn't hear that. that ever, have you ever heard that back yet from your kids? Okay. On the other side of it is, you can be in your bedroom with your wife and you can be whispering to your wife and say, you know what, I, I, think, I think this Saturday the weather's going to be good. Why don't we take the kids to Disney World? And they can hear that a mile away. All right? It's there's something about them where they lean in, they lean in. Now, that's a funny joke, but I'm going to tell you when it's not so funny, is when you're at the airport, as I know one person sitting here was at one time, and they were calling that person's flight, but they weren't leaning into the announcements. They weren't leaning in to the schedule upon the and they missed their flight. Now, the plane didn't crash. They didn't get on a plane that did crash, nothing like that, but it did complicate their life. Why? because they didn't lean into the important information that was given. So when we lean into God's word, we incline our heart to God's word, we're saying, Lord, we want to hear you. We want to focus on you. We want to cancel out clutter, noisy clutter, so we can hear you. So we obediently apply God's word to our life. Now, there are two keys to help us. If I really want to lean into his word, I need to realize my need, that I really need God's truth. I really need God's truth. I really need God's wisdom. I really, 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 really need it. I know this message is going long, and I promise to get you out before you go to work tomorrow. All right. There are some that might be listening to me right now that um, they don't want to lean into God's word because they they have not... I'm not going to call it sin now. Let's just call it a simple word. Let's call it the word doubts. I don't know. How did Cain get his wife and... Did Adam have a belly button? You know, because he didn't have a mother. And I don't know how that. How does that? End? And so they have a lot of doubts about the Bible. And so when they have doubts, I call those doubts mosquitoes. It's like when you go camping, and while you're out there camping, you have a couple of these mosquitoes, and you kind of shoo them away, but you live with it. But after a while, if you have a lot of mosquitoes, a lot of people, what they do is they say, "There's just so many mosquitoes. I don't want There's only a few, but they're just this one. Just there's just so many. And so what do they do? they run away from the joy of camping outside and they hide in their little musty tent somewhere because the mosquitoes are out there. So they sit in a tent that wasn't made by God instead of being outside that was made by God because of those little mosquitoes. On the other hand, what you can do when you're out there, you're not going to let those little suckers destroy your joy out there in the forest. So what are you going to do? You're going to slap them. In other words, you're going to eliminate them so you can still enjoy what you want to do. You don't want to run from them or hide from them. So having doubts is not wrong. Having doubts and not trying to resolve those doubts and get answers to those questions, that's what's wrong. And probably that's what's keeping you from plunging full force into God's Word. So if you have a doubt, no problem. You know what the Bible says about this? How do you relieve those doubts? We'll call Pastor Nathan, 2 to 4 in the morning, He's usually home, and he'll give you the answer to those. A little joking on that, but nonetheless, go on a mission. Go on a crusade to get those doubts answered. Now, here's why. When you have doubts, it's going to give you more faith. More faith is going to help you to obey. When you have all that going for you, guess what? It makes you more usable for God, so you can now help others that have doubts. Isn't that cool? All right, we have to have this need. Here's something else. We have to realize who meets the need, and it's going to be the Lord in our life. And we know that. He's the almighty, all-knowing God. He loves you. He, He knows that you have to make a decision for your life, and it's coming before you, and you need wisdom. So he says, aha, I brought that before you. Are you paying attention? I have the wisdom over here. I'm going to give you that wisdom so that you can make the right decision. But you have to partner with me on this. And who wouldn't want to partner with Almighty God who meets my need? Here's number five. I must persist in asking God for discernment. Four is simply just living the book. You know, We want to make sure that we do that, applying it to our life, meditate, apply. But five is, I must persist in asking God for discernment. Look what it says now in verse 3. It says this, For if you cry for discernment, remember that word I used a moment ago? The church today seems to be missing a lot of that. If you cry for discernment, you lift up your voice for understanding. And we'll talk to you about what you get out of that in a few moments. But right now, the emphasis is on if you cry and if you lift your voice for discernment and understanding. So in your margin, you're going to write the word prayer. You're going to write the word prayer. Now, different people have different personalities when they're faced with a crisis upon which they have to make a decision. Some are the type of personalities that they just make their decision. Boom. It's kind of like a, a ready, shoot, shoot. Aim later. Okay? Do you know people like that? Okay? Stay with me on this. This is this will help you. Then there are those that'll just kind of wait, wait, wait and 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 wait, and the problem only gets worse and worse and, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse when God says that you have perfect wisdom at the perfect time when you cry unto me for discernment and understanding. Now again I'm gonna appeal to you parents. I don't know what kind of kid you have. I'm not in your home twenty-four-seven, but you might have one of those kids that whine a lot. Do you have a whiner in your house? You know how these kids really whine. And after a while, you get fed up with it. Quit whining. you are going to put you in your and Quit whining. And then a couple of days later, that same kid goes, you change and you run right there because you found out that your son or daughter, as little as they are, slammed the door of the car into their finger and it's mashed and blood squirting everywhere. Now, why am I saying that? This word cry is like, I cry unto my heavenly father. And he's now hearing me. I'm crying because I'm desperate in a need for wisdom to make a decision in my life about something. I'm crying unto him. Do you think God's going to say, ah, oh, you a little whiner? No. He's going to be right there to help you. You cry out for, and lifting your voice for understanding. He says, that's the very thing. You know what you're telling me when you do that? You're telling me that you're going to me and not someone else. You're telling me that I'm the guy who can help you. You're telling me that you know that by me helping you with this, by giving you discernment, that you and I are going to be much closer together. You're telling me that I'm the need meter. You're telling me you can't do it yourself. God loves that. God loves that. So, persistent asking him, all right, prayer. Number six, he says, It says, I must diligently study God's word. I must diligently study God's word. I must diligently study God's word. So you know what the study God's word. Here it says, if you seek her wisdom as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, you're going to find something here in just a moment. But now watch carefully. If you have your Bibles open, you'll be able to draw this. You want to put a number one by the end of verse three that says cry or your voice. That's the prayer. You're going to put a number two by if you seek her. So in other words, before you seek for the wisdom, cry to God. So your prayer comes before your asking. Prayer comes before your study. So when you open your Bible and you want wisdom, you're going to say, Lord, help give me wisdom and understanding. So now he says he'll do it. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. In your prayer to him, how can you really pray when you bring all this garbage in your life, you're keeping iniquity in your heart, and yet you want God to give you wisdom. You know that's not going to work. So part of that prayer is a prayer of confession, cleaning your life out, cleaning your ears out, getting ready now to receive from the Lord. So now you cry unto him, and then he says, if you seek me now, you will find this. So this is a beautiful thing that you have in your life, if you do the prayer part first. And then he gives you the answer. Now, what's the difference between reading Scripture and studying the Bible? Usually when you study the Bible, you write things down, don't you? How precious that is. And I really love seeking her. And I'll tell you, when you start studying the book and you start finding the truth, as soon as you find one, you get so excited. Carol and I are now on our honeymoon. Been married a week, and we go to North Carolina. And as we're in North Carolina, you want to be a good husband, so you'll do things you don't normally care to do. In fact, you do things your wife really cares to do. And she wanted to go to the ruby mines and go mining for little rubies that are up there. And go ahead and Google it. You're going to find that that part of North Carolina, western North Carolina, has precious rubies up there. So she says, let's go look for rubies. And you have rubies and garnets for the most part in that time, 1969. And they look very close. And so she said, go there. And in my mind... My heart, I said, I don't want to do this. i kind of whining, but yeah, okay, yeah, a lot of fun. Let's do it, you know. So we get the bucket of mud, and we're by this slough here, and the water's running. You dump what you can in this little rack that has a screen, and you run the water through it, and it's got nothing but rocks and twigs after the mud kind of gets away. The water is 33 degrees, okay, just above freezing, and you're doing this hour after hour after hour, and bucket after bucket after bucket, and you got mud in your hands, your arms, your legs, your hair, you got it everywhere, it stinks, and I'd rather be studying my Bible, you know, and here I am with my wife going through looking for this stuff, and I'm just, oh, we're at the end of the day, your neck is all sunburnt, Carol's having a blast, and all that, and so I said, honey, can this be our last bucket? She says, um... Oh, honey, they're not closed yet. And I said, I know that. Just good to be our last bucket. She says, one more bucket. And I thought, okay, I can hang on to one bucket. So now I'm doing this bucket, and people are all all afternoon, I found one, I found one, I found one, I found one. You know, I didn't find nothing, you know. And so I'm going through this, and you guessed it, about at the bottom part of that bucket that I'm putting in there, I'm now sluicing it, and there was something kind of red that popped up. Small. We didn't buy a jet plane with it or anything. It somehow did not make it through the screen, but I found one. And when I found it, I looked at it. I, hey, hey, I, I got one. I got one. And of course, everybody's looking. Look, at look, I got one. The, the purveyor came over. Yeah, that's not a garnet. That's a ruby. And I looked at him and I said, give me another bucket. You know, so when you find it, you want to keep doing this stuff. And so when you get into God's word and you find a truth that you found, nobody taught you, you got it. It's like fresh bread Cinnabon at the mall. You want to have more of that. And that's what this means, studying God's word. So what will happen if you do? Number one, you'll respect God correctly. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to give this to you that kind of say, doesn't the word say that the uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Here you're saying wisdom gives you the fear of the Lord. The answer is, yep, it's both. It's like one big circle. When you fear the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 9 and 9, 10. Okay, it'll give you that. Okay, you got that. But on the same side, once you get wisdom, it helps you to respect the Lord more. Once you respect the Lord more, you get more wisdom. You get more wisdom. Respect. So it's one big circle of growth that you have in your life. And you discern that. And that's a beautiful part. So you really get to know the Lord. And I put the word correctly in there so that you don't just have a manufactured, self-designed God but that you have the God of the Bible. And then number two, I will know God intimately and discover the knowledge, the full knowledge of God. In other words, I don't want to know about God, as important as that is, I want to know him. But the only way I'm going to know him is if I know about God correctly. So how do I get all of that is when I get wisdom. Now here's what you don't have. You don't have me preaching verse 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 through the rest of Proverbs. That's what you get a chance to do if you're saying, "Stand, where do I begin? If you're really seeking wisdom and you want to go back to the importance of it, open your Bible and go through it. Notice the digging deeper here. Lessons to learn. Solomon states the benefits of respecting the Lord correctly and knowing Him intimately. What are the benefits? From verses 6 through 9, pick them out yourself. Number two, what can you do? Identify each verb in verses 1 through 4 and define them. What are all the verbs that are found in the first four or five verses of Proverbs 2? I'd also suggest you take a class at Florida Bible College. I'd also suggest if you take one class, take Bible study methods. You can do that online. In fact, you can take the class in your pajamas if you like, 24-7. Download it. We'll teach you. We'll help you. You can take it for credit or not. But go to Bible College. Take one class, Bible study methods. Get into a small group. The church here has half a dozen of them that you could look at lessons to apply make a list of what you will do and when you'll do it as a result of today's message
1: you're listening to make it clear with the teaching of dr stan pons founder of make it clear ministries make it clear is dedicated to taking the word of god with clarity into every person's world it is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of make it clear possible